Say that the podcast for your big questions and get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. You're darn tootin'. I'm pretty sure I'm not. <laughs> also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. <laughs> Greetings. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. We got big answers, folks. That big. Sounded, sounds dirty when Lee says it. Big answers. Really, big. without the setup, that sounds. Somewhere between bragging and drunk guy on the subway. <laughs> Beefy answers. Maybe it's All like, right with the adjectives. <laughs> maybe it's the uh, maybe it's like the used car salesman. That's not that's not the worst analogy. If you send us a question we can't answer, we'll eat this bucket of live scorpions. That kind of thing. <laughs> Jed grew up in Florida, folks, and um, <laughs> sometimes you got to go the extra mile to stand out in the Florida used car sales. You really do. Sometimes you get a free gun, whether you ask for it or not. It's just in there. <laughs> That's literally true. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think we're we're just are we ready to go in? We gripes give. We gri- did some gripes giving last week. Are we all feeling? Uh, yeah, just say it and ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I want to get straight to the wisdom. Yeah, me too. Well, yeah. our first question comes in anonymously. Wait a second, I declare emergency. Wow, that was unforeseen. Who could have seen it coming? Uh, we got a, a message that came in to the say that worldwide headquarters. That okay. does happen. Into our underground bunker. Our carrier pigeon facilities are ready to receive your messages. Uh, and then we store it in our man-sized safe. So, so it comes in. And here's here's how it reads. Hey, Uncle Glenn. Hello. I'm a big fan of Say That, correct? And love the Bridge Podcast, also correct. Y'all y'all help so much. This is he's he's what we do. he's very he's very on point here. And I was re-listening to the episode. Now here's the thing we pointed out last week. You can't just listen to these once. No. You got to really You gotta savor the wisdom. You know, it four or five times I think Absolutely. you're you're gonna get the you're gonna feel yourself getting in the zone. You're gonna get it on so many different levels. I feel like every episode should be in itself like a cult classic. Yeah. They, they really they they basically are. We are the Rocky Horror Picture Show of Christian Wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I've been saying that for years. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I was uh, re-listening to the episode where, and that's why you always wear the garter belts every week. So you know I, was, I do. We were just going to let that go unsaid. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, can't, I couldn't do that. Say that podcast. We don't do subtext. <laughs> just text. Say that podcast. Text. <laughs> okay, so uh, I was re-listening to the episode where y'all talking about the Christian Tinder app. What did we call it? We called it Fisher. We called it Fisher. I forget what it's really called. Yeah. Oh, it's really called Collide. Right, right, all right. Of that, which is wow. not at all Which is a pop song about hooking up. Yep. Uh, Christian Tinder app. And I recall the time when my friends made a Tinder for a, a, a friend to prank him. Yep. As I was I've thinking, got a bad feeling about this email. As I was thinking this, I thought about how Matt is ah! still single. Yeah, and and thought 
that app could be the answer. What should Matt's Christian Tinder app profile be? Ooh, yeah. This is a man of vision right the, here. And, th and that comes in from superfan Ray Hayes. Ooh. Well, this is what I get for not pre-screening the emergencies. Yeah. Now, uh... Let me just start here. Okay, tell me. Matt's singleness yeah. is something up with which we shall not put. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and that's just good grammar, y'all. <laughs> Forceful and grammatically correct. That's yeah. how I like to do it. Yes. Okay. Something has to be done. Yes. Are we prepared to do something that involves subterfuge? Yes. Uh, uh, villainy. Yes. You say as if that hasn't happened already? Uh, espionage. Espionage yes. and, uh, you know, a thing. Intrigue. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, the answer to that is yes. Yes. Well, clearly. before we leave, we leave into I don't think we've told the story of the podcast, but I do enjoy it. And I'll, I'll tell you all a little story about the moment that Glenn almost gave up on this particular enterprise. We'd have been invited to a barbecue with a uh, church group that does host teaming for our Church of the Bridge. And um, nice folks. And our, our, our see, uh, the one car was Jed and his wife, Hallie, and our uh, co-workers, Pete and Tasha. One car was myself, Glenn and Jane. And um, for some reason, it's hard to say if it was traffic, if it was just bad luck, if it was the fact that Glenn really didn't want to go. Right. Um, Jed's car got there a good 40 minutes before the one Glenn was driving. Yeah. Right. And it took about 30 of those 40 minutes for it to dawn on Jane that maybe Glenn was intentionally not picking the quickest <laughs> route to this particular place. But so by the time uh, me, Glenn, and Jane get there, uh, all the uh, the other Mission USA folks have done the mingling and kind of we got everybody's name and some basic, okay, you know, oh, you go to this location of this church and you're friends with so-and-so and you live with so-and-so. So, yeah, so that's not the basics. They're, they're doing some introductions. And Miss Tasha, bless her, so it was me, and in the way that only Christian women can do when they think they're being smooth, it's introducing Glenn and I are standing there, so oh, this is so-and-so, and this is so-and-so, and this is so-and-so, and she's doing, I believe this thing is called the World Race. I could have it wrong. It's the thing where like, people tour around and see like a bunch of short-term mission stuff or whatever. And so this is uh, Amanda or whatever her name was. She's doing the World Race and looks at me like, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. Very subtly. Speaking of used car salesmen, huh? Doing just Amanda. the... The price is right holding us here. And... I turned to this young lady who's done nothing wrong. Yep. This is not her fault. She's right. caught up in a long-going struggle that she doesn't know about. And yep. I say, oh, I had a friend in college who did that uh, that particular uh, thing. Oh, really? Yeah. She had to be rushed home because she came down with dysentery. <laughs> that probably won't happen to you, though. <laughs> so, so for those of you scoring at home, we're trying to get Matt hooked up. He's not participating. Really he's, not helping the process. He's talking about... If anything, I've made sport out of uh, hindering that process Near at this point. death through diarrhea. Yes. Okay. And here's the really weird part of that story, I'll tell you. I, the actual uh, disease my friend came down with was not dysentery. I picked that so it would be worse in the story. Okay, that's wow. good. That's so I good. think the people out there see what we're dealing with. Yeah. Okay. So far, I haven't reacted well to subtle subterfuge. Here's yeah. what I'm saying is I think this is – he's putting us in a position the only way that we can succeed on this mission – is through villainy. Well, clearly. Okay. It's not, not, it's not that you want to be sneaking underhand. No, not at all. You it, leave us no other choice, Matthew. It's, you know. So, you know, uh, now I've told the people out there that yeah. he likes long walks in the rain. Yep. 
He likes movies about horses. And dancing. He likes movies about dancing. Yep. Let me tell you something else. Matt likes movies where the only one that can save us yeah. in our dystopian future, yeah. totalitarian regime uh, that we need to have a re- revolution to overthrow it, yeah. is a teenage girl movies. Wait. Is it a reluctant teenage girl? It's a reluctant Whoa. teenage girl who doesn't want to be the center of attention, y'all. Okay. All right, y'all. I'm trying to. I'm trying to have a show that's popular on the internet. Let's <laughs> ease up. I'm making fun of the Hunger Games. Okay. Let's not dig too deep a hole. So we try. We try to say this is what Matt's into. Let me tell you another fact about Matt. Yeah. He's neat. He is neat. Now, that's where are you going to find another guy who's neat? Yeah. Well, here's here's something we could put on. I, I mean, I don't know if this is a fact about Matt or not, even though we've been friends for a long time. But we could go ahead and put it on his Tinder profile um, that he has a uh, that he has the prayer of Jabez tattooed on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, that is true. Yeah, um, yeah. You go, that, to the, you go to them Christian conferences and stuff gets wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know. Uh, you know what else? Matt is a snappy dresser. He is. I mean, you know, some of us, by by contrast, look, you know, like a hobo <laughs> <laughs> when we're standing next to Matt. So, the, but here's the thing: is look, you don't have to carry the bindle. Yeah, we tell you every day. <laughs> you got pockets. You can just use the pockets. You're choosing to carry you're a ki- bindle. You're, you're choosing the bindle. I, it's just a, an efficient way of carrying all my essentials. Now, well, here's that's what, true. Here's what I'm saying is, okay, ladies out there, right now they're thinking. Yeah, it would be nice to date Matt. Absolutely, they're th- how they're wrong all, they are. What 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 could be wrong with Matt? Right. So very many things. But here's what you need to understand: is we're dealing with a crisis, y'all. We are dealing with a crisis. The crisis is the longer Matt. Is single, yeah. The the more corruption, yeah. We are putting on him, right? He now he's great, yep. But six months from now, would you even want him? Probably not. You got to get the mat while the getting's good. This is you're what saying. I'm talking there's an about. expiration date issue here. This is what I'm saying. Well, that's the first thing going on in this podcast that I agree with. Just get Matt while he's hot. Well, I really like the idea of kind of focus grouping the ideal Christian boyfriend. Right. Right. So you got the spiritual tattoo. Yep. Okay. Sure. Rock some chacos. Mm-hmm. Puka shell necklace. <laughs> leather cuff. Yeah, I, you're starting to lose. Uh, now we, now we've wandered off track <laughs> into the year 1996. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Likes Dave Matthews Band for some reason? <laughs> loves Dave Matthews Band. No, loves Big Daddy Weed. Now, at this point, you're just, you're describing acoustic guitar guy at the party, <laughs> which is very different than an ideal. No, well, at this point, also, you got to have the uh, the man bun. Got to have the man be. bun. Wow. Big old beard. Big old, Maybe it's a clip-on man bun, but that's fine. Sure. <laughs> it's something. Real product. Okay. <laughs> Matt is the ideal... Youth pastor at a large membership church. Okay. Okay. That's that's what we're talking. <laughs> Disagree. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. So, and that's what the ladies want. Right. They want to be the wife of the youth pastor at the large membership church. Right. And that's what Matt is. Ba- okay? He's basically that. lots of Tim Keller retweets. Yes. Now. I mean, you know, but what what's he going to be lots like? Lots of strong opinions on types of coffee for some reason. Exactly right. Exactly yeah, I mean, right. Think about right now. Matt's being 
inundated and barraged by evil. Yes. Which is, I'm, by that I mean you and me. Oh, that's well, I was totally about true. to say. And that's having a terrible effect on him. Yeah. It can't you be know. good. No, I mean, he's like, he's very polite. Yes. That is. Yes. You know what I'm saying? How could he maintain that after There's being no around way. us? Okay. This is a true effect. Me and Jet were at a meeting with the Lutherans a little while back. It goes past three and a half hours. I get up. Yep. I said, where are you going? I tell them. I'm I've leaving. Had, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to sit in this meeting one second longer. Yeah. And I get up to leave. Now, Jed is slightly nicer than me. Yeah. So Jed go, is going around to all the people that I've just offended yeah. and said, well, thank you for inviting us to the meeting. It's lovely seeing you yeah. and whatever. And it's been I fantastic ye- three and a half hours. I yell from the doorway, stop fellowshipping. I'm leaving you here. That's true. That's okay? true. Okay. This is not a. And to be clear, these are not any Lutherans. These are A, the good Lutherans. Yeah. yeah. And B, these are the people at whose church we have the bridge. <laughs> and I love them. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's how I, you know, this, that's exactly. So this is what I'm saying. Yes. This is think about think about math. Yes. Why you know what I mean? Don't be selfish. Think about what Matt is going through. What right you're now. speaking to is the need for a civilizing influence to counteract you. You know what we need? Tell me. We don't need a tender app. Tell me what we need. We need like one of those adopt a child. Yes, yeah, we do. Oh <laughs> Matt. Well, we actually he did Sarah McLaughlin on this piece. Did we? Yeah. We yeah, did. We shot that video. I'll oh, dig yeah. it up. I think we're out. You know what it is? Tell me. We're out of ammunition. Are we? <laughs> That's it. I'm talking about a matte Photoshop. Rocking the pukas to what? write love in her arms t-shirt. <laughs> oh, Lord. Wow. <laughs> that Anyone was the moment. to the podcast. That, that was the moment. Jed sailed on by himself and was denounced by all the other members of the podcast. Say you whatever can direct your you angry letters to Jed Brewer at saythatpodcast.com. <laughs> here's, here's what it is, people. I like to write love on her arm. <laughs> you, you. <laughs> I think that guy with the seemingly unpronounceable last name is doing good work. I'm going to save everyone. And I'm going to save Matt's singleness. I'm begging you, Internet. Date Matt. Yes. I, can you see what this has done to us? Date him with many dates. That's how the hymn goes. I don't know what is you that. You don't know the, that? No. Crown with many crowns. With crown, yeah. Oh. I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. How Christian are you, man? Let me tell you what. It only takes a spark, Jed, to get a fire going. <laughs> all right, all right, we're gonna throw the kibosh on this. I'm warmed up in it's glowing. Always do right. the high arm. Easy That's wow worship volume two. <laughs> Okay, you may be wondering why Glenn and Jed's brains seem especially broken right now. It's because it's the end of the month. Around here, the end of the month means bridge box. Mm. Jed's been staring at a lot of Pro Tools. Glenn's been getting some sermons ready, been doing, getting ready for next month. So uh, that's what we do around there. Bridgebox comes out every month, right in the first, get it in your inbox. But that means we're recording this kind of in the last week of November. And, uh, it's not a lot of sleeping. 
There's yep. a lot of staring computer screens. Yep. We're all a little punch drunk. But yep. Yep. the good news is we turn out what we believe is a quality product. You get sermons, mm-hmm. Bible studies, lots of great songs. That Some songs from Lee, some songs from Jed, some songs from our friend of the Pulaski Guru every month, and then our friends Pete and Tasha. So a lot of great stuff, all based around the topic that we preached on at the bridge. And the best part of Bridgebox is you get to support the ministry that goes on right here in the streets behind the jailhouse. That's missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Only $8 a month. Check it out. Amen. Also, emergency off. You forgot it for the second week in a row. <laughs> you just paused. <laughs> I, I the, the, You're putting this on me. It, it, Matt's sneaky with the segues, man. I'm just saying Matt's singleness is tearing us apart. I couldn't agree That's more. That's true. I'm, I wonder why I even go to the trouble to think of segues <laughs> twice in the history of this show that I thought of them. <laughs> Dude, next week, seriously, just shout, subject change! <laughs> and then start talking about something new. Yeah. Which is, again, a thing that has happened during our staff meeting dinner. <laughs> yes. Bless her heart, Tasha, hold, who can hold her own, just says, well, in order to intentionally change the subject... Here's a new question. Yeah, all right, move on to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll use some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr box, and it says, I have had my share of dating non-Christian guys and only dated one Christian guy. I find it hard to meet Christian guys. <laughs> Wonder why that could be. It's almost as if something happened 10 years ago that irreparably damaged the world. Mm. I now seem to be dating someone who that is baptized as a Christian but has no intention of getting close to Jesus. And kind of acts like a non-Christian, which basically bums me out. However, we're still getting to know each other and taking things slow. How do I lead him more towards Jesus without feeling like I am pushing him, or should I just end this? Jed, why don't you start us off? Well, thank you very, very much for your question. And I, I appreciate you sharing your heart with us. I know that this is this is tough stuff, and it's a vulnerable place to be. Absolutely. Um, we'd like to start by taking a little bit of a big picture look. You've asked some specific questions. We do want to look at those, but I'd like to kind of pull the camera back a little bit. We actually were looking at a topic really similar to your question at the bridge a couple weeks ago, and we had a close friend of ours, a pastor named Tripp, who's a great guy in a very cool church on the north side, and he was preaching a sermon, and he, and he shared the following metaphor I'm going to share with you. He said, suppose that you were waiting for the train. In Chicago, we have the L, but, you know, the subway, whatever, wherever you're at. You're waiting for the train. And you're on, you're standing by the tracks and there's a, there's a northbound train coming and a southbound train coming. And as you're waiting, you see this really cute member of the opposite sex and you strike up a conversation and it's great and they're pretty in the face and they're interesting and they laugh at your jokes and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. But at a certain point, you do have to ask, which train are you getting on? Are you right. going north or are you going south? Are you going the same direction that I'm going? All right. We all face that same decision point in life. We're going somewhere in our lives. Is this other person actually headed in the same direction? Right. You've heard people, if you've been around church stuff, you've heard people talk about you shouldn't date people who aren't Christians. And they've, they've quoted a Bible verse to you on that. And the thing is, they're, they're actually right about that, but they may not know why they're right. That mm. stuff doesn't get explained mm. very often. Yeah. Here's the reason why they're right is... If you are going in two different directions in life, if you're getting on two different trains, it's not going to work. It, yeah. it, it can't work. The, the only way it can work is if you change the direction that your life is going, and that almost never works. Mm-hmm. That's not really fair to you and not really fair to your faith. Let's put it a different way. There's a thing called core values, 
And that includes spiritual stuff, but it's not just spiritual stuff. The idea is these are the things that, at the end of the day, they really matter to you in life. They're, they're really, they're important to you. You really care about these things. You know, you, you hold these to be the things that matter most in life. It would be really difficult to have a long-term committed relationship with a person that just doesn't agree with you on what those are. Yeah. yeah. You, you say, you know what matters to me is family. I think I just I want to have kids. I want to just devote myself to just loving my family and just that's what I want to do. That's that's what matters to me. If you've got a potential boyfriend or girlfriend and say, what matters to me is I want to advance in my career as quickly and as powerfully as possible with nothing to hold me back, nothing to encumber me, nothing to limit me. Well, the problem is those two things don't overlap. Like mm-hmm. at all. It's mm-hmm. not that one is bad and the other is good. That's, that's not really the case. It's more that just there is no shared space between those two things. They're, right. The only way that a relationship could exist here is one of these two people compromising in a fundamental way on the stuff they really care about, the things that are really important to them. And man, that's not a prescription for a happy, healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. The good news for you is there are a lot of cute guys or cute girls out there who uh, look pretty in the face and laugh at your jokes who actually are headed in the same direction you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Where that committed relationship doesn't require compromising on a fundamental level on where your life is headed or on your core values on the things that you care about. As much as people say, oh, you shouldn't date non-Christians, and again, they're right, a better way to put it is you shouldn't ask people to compromise on the things that are most important to them. And they shouldn't ask that of you. That's not the foundation of a healthy, happy, mutually satisfying relationship. You deserve to be with someone who shares your core values. And that other person deserves to be with someone who uh, shares their core values. Uh, God wants that for you. We want that for you. And you deserve that. If you're in a relationship today where that's not the case, where you guys are not headed in the same direction in the big picture, you don't share each other's core values, then it is something to look at. What am I actually getting out of this relationship? And what's the realistic future for it? It's a fantastic place to start. And Jed used a a very important word there when we look at this that Christians get a little weird about. We talked about this in the podcast before. That word is deserve. Um, a lot of times you hear the word deserve in a church, you say the word deserve to a certain type of Christian, you get a very long speech about the depravity of man Total and depravity. how all, all we deserve, all we deserve is hell. Jim. Yeah. Hell. Eternal torments what we deserve. Is that what you're saying you want? No, <laughs> but, uh, in a non-theological sense in a purely, uh, and even in a theological sense, cause, um, we did deserve the thing, but then Jesus on the cross. So now there's like a new, what's the word I'm looking for? Deal issue. Covenant, Covenant? Mm. involved here where our status has changed because of becoming one with Christ spiritually. But there are things we deserve in this life, and there are things that are less than what we deserve. And that's actually a very important way to start looking at relationships. It's a very important way to look at this situation, right, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the you know, what if you turn this whole thing around and said, um, you know, instead of uh, you know, you know, instead of just settling for this one guy that may be interested in me, but is not exactly what I'm wanting or whatever. If you said I deserve way more than this, I deserve to absolutely shoot the moon. I, you know, God's timing might be different from my timing, but I'm gonna tell God exactly what I want. I want a guy that you know that I am physically attracted to and all that kind of stuff but I want a guy who loves Jesus who encourages me in my faith who challenges me in my walk who makes me feel cherished and treasured and the whole thing I mean the the thing is is that Jesus is is for you and he has this beautiful plan for you who knows 
how and when the the whole thing is going to play out. But you don't have to settle for something less, especially, I, I love the train analogy, you don't have to settle for somebody who's going a completely different direction from you. And, you know, and not just, I, I don't even, I, I hate the idea of settling, not just because you're going to be unsatisfied in it, but because I don't think Jesus wants you to settle for anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he wants you to settle in your, you know, in your ministry aspirations, in your, uh, you know, in your, in your job situation, in the, in the joy that you could have in your life, and the friendships that you cultivate, and the kind of community that you have with the believers around you. I don't think he wants you settling in any of those areas. I think you should be shooting the moon in all of the areas of your life, saying, Jesus, I want to max out all of this stuff. I want to max out the fun I can have. I want to max out the friendships I can have. And I want the guy that I'm in a dating relationship with to be this, you know, amazing believer that, that, you know, has, has a walk with Jesus that I respect and can, and can get behind and, and that we can, uh, you know, iron sharpening iron, the whole thing. I want it all, you know, you know, this, of course, you know, you, when you hear that kind of total depravity stuff, it's easy to feel like, well, I guess because I'm a sinner, I should just have gruel every day for lunch yeah. and dinner and breakfast. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing is, Jesus wants an abundant and a full life for you. He said that. He said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. So go for that. Want that. Want to have, I mean, uh, for, I'm sure a lot a lot of people that listen to the show also kind of read the blogs that, that we write. And, and of course, one of the four blogs that, that we write is more popular than the other blogs. Mm. Um, and it doesn't matter which one. It's I mean, math. It, oh, good. Yeah, then we can move on. It really doesn't matter which one. I mean, it's probably if we had if we had to go ahead and say which one it is, is Glenn's. But right, one of the right. things that one of There's the something that, weird about the only the one of us who is sucking up to Glenn being the only one who doesn't work for. <laughs> I'm not sure who's. I'm not sure that probably means Jed and I are sleeping. Yeah, but there's something very odd about that dynamic. Sure, go ahead, sure. <laughs> well, the thing is, is if you if you if you if you look at the you know the way that Glenn talks about the kind of romance that you should be going after when he's you know answering questions about dating and stuff like this is that um, is that you have uh, you have the right to have all the all the awesome stuff that love feels like the passion and the romance and the whole thing you should be going after all of that that Jesus wants that for you but he also wants this for you to have somebody that's on your level spiritually somebody that's sprinting at the same pace that you're sprinting in your relationship with the Lord it's not just that you shouldn't settle it's that you should be greedy on these things you should be shooting the moon Amen. on this stuff it's a fantastic point overall now so uh Lee and Jed did a great job dealing with kind of the bigger picture idea of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you asked a very specific question here, and I have a feeling Glenn may have a very specific answer of, should I try leading this guy closer to Jesus, or should I just end it, Glenn? End it. There you go. Um, you know, th- this is the thing is, uh, as, as these guys are pointing out, and, and, and rightly so, uh, you're alive, uh, God is calling you to have a rich and full and abundant life. He wants to have you to have these passionate relationships and loving relationships with people that you, you have these important things in common. I like what Jeb was saying about, you know, our core values, the things that are most important uh, to, to each of us. I think it's important to look at, along those lines, uh, at some point I think you have to look at, is this guy not just safe, but is he... Uh, in a similar place in his yep. walk where I am, you know. And I think when you, when you hear me say that as a single person, you're saying, 
you you're shrinking the pool of available guys that's not helping. Yeah. <laughs> Got to play the numbers game, Glenn. <laughs> and I and I understand that and I appreciate that. I don't want to be that guy in 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 making a tough situation worse. Uh you know, and and uh, but what we're really trying to stress here is you won't regret that kind of pickiness yeah. now. Uh it will pay off later. And God is in this process, will we'll lead the right person uh, into your life. So uh, the, we, 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 we need to look at it from that standpoint. Uh, we also need to recognize that there's a reason why you're dating non-Christian guys, and that's because they're asking you out. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why you're having problems dating Christian guys, because they're not asking you out. Yeah. Not to the same extent, not pursuing these relationships with an equal zeal and vigor. What you're finding is these non-Christian guys are cool guys, they're good to hang out with, whatever have you. Uh, they're pretty in the face and whatnot. But they're expecting a physicality to exist in that relationship that doesn't match your faith. And um, uh, you say, well, that's, that's sort of a bad fit there. But on the other hand, this other guy who's at my church or at my Bible study, whatever. He ain't making a move. Yeah, he appears to like me, but he doesn't seem to have any idea when, where, or how to start. And if he's that clueless about simply initiating things, how much more difficult will this be moving forward mm-hmm. in terms of just him figuring out the parameters and, and how, to, how to be in a dating relationship? That's more of a serious consideration. I think there's only one solution to that. I think it involves you finding a cute, hot, sweet Christian guy that you like, that you think is great, and you asking him out. Yep. And then, and that could be just let's get coffee. Yep. I'm not talking about a date date. I'm just talking yep. about let's get coffee. But at some point, be, to be able to sit down with that guy and say, I think both of us are off the map here. I think, you know, I think secular dating has gotten to this crazy thing. Christian dating has gotten on the opposite weirdness into yep. the uh, weird end of the scale. I don't know what to do. I don't think you know. I know you don't know what to do. I'm looking at you, my brother, and you don't know what to do. So why don't we just two of us sitting in this coffee shop come up with? what would be a godly dating relationship? What Absolutely. would that look like? How would it work? What would it do? I'm just trying to tell you whatever you would come up with in that moment would beat the snot out of anything you've heard about Christian dating Hello? Or, you know, anywhere. Yep. I really want to instill that kind of confidence in you to find the right guy. Make a and, move. And make a move, and the two of you sit down and work that out and just wrestle. What does this mean? Well, just to back that up, we've talked about this before, but, you know, for folks who are listening, my wife made the first move for me. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't anything hot and heavy, but it was just, hey, uh, you seem cool. I, I'm really interested in the work that you do. We should grab a cup of coffee. I'd love to hear more about that. My, you know, you know that mine did with me as well, and it was just one of those things where um, it's it's understood uh, uh, showing or indicating that you have an interest is not the same as asking someone out on yeah. a real date. I mean, certainly once you are aware of that interest, you. Uh- 
took the lead and you know Absolutely. what to do and so on and so forth. And the same is true for me. But this idea of women never showing interest, yep, nope. to, uh, never tipping off that I have it, that's nope. not a thing. No. That's just making life difficult is all that is. And uh, when you get both guys and gals not giving any indication to each other that they have any interest in anything, and we're all trying to be friends yep. with the opposite <laughs> sex, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Be friends with people your own gender. Date right. people that you like of the opposite gender. Yeah. That's how it goes. We need more babies to keep the planet going. So that's how you do it. That's the end of my rant. <laughs> See, we do need more babies to keep the planet going statement not evaluated by the Environmental Protection Agency. <laughs> Well, I was I was planning what I was going to say, and that was before Glenn really hit high gear there. <laughs> I think we all got caught in the "Don't be friends" rant. Yeah, got tacked on a little bit there. Yeah, um, I do want to say just uh, to the person who wrote the question, really people who write these questions in. Um, sometimes we respond in a way that is indicative of the fact that if you listen to uh, our episode a couple weeks ago where we talked about frequently asked questions. Who boy, do we hear this one a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're trying not to lose sight of, we hope it comes through to you, that we know you don't know that. Yeah. You, right. you don't know that this is a, an actual, literal epidemic. Yeah. Right, right. We're talking about, and this is not, um, this is not really a joke, uh, about 10, 15 years ago, somebody published a book that made a lot of money that led to other books and speaking engagements that made a lot of money, and dating got broke. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 not, and not to interrupt you, but if you don't know that, you're thinking that Christian guys maybe think yep. there's something wrong with me or exactly something. Exactly right. It's exactly the point I'm making because the indication, the way we know that it's this Christian particular culture thing set up by this book is the way that broke dating is because the non-Christians, it's not broke that way. Yeah. Right. As Glenn mentioned about Saturday, oh, it's broken in its own way. Yeah. But it's not broken right. this particular thing. There's nothing in the water. It doesn't have anything to do with millennials. It's not mm-hmm. any of that. It's a lot of people made money off from really stupid ideas that got spread far and wide. Yep. But we know, again, we know that you don't know that. So mm-hmm. you look in your own situation and you say, I don't know why these people aren't asking me out. I don't know why these people are asking me out. I'm trying to do the, you're trying to do the best with the hand you're dealt. Mm-hmm. And we totally respect that. We mm-hmm. understand it. So we're trying to give you, A, give you a little context within that, and B, we're trying to give you the experience of some wisdom, both in our own lives and from years of counseling other people. There's a term that I don't think we brought up yet. We may have brought up the podcast before called missionary dating, mm-hmm. which is not as dirty as it sounds, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Yes. I wow. say that both to my co-host, mainly to my co-host, and to the listener, because I know I caught at least a couple of you <laughs> making that joke in your brain. <laughs> term missionary dating basically means exactly what you're talking about here. Which is the idea that you meet someone who's not Christian or is kind of Christian, and then you date them and you you get them saved. Here's the here's the problem with missionary dating is that it never works. Right. And not by that I don't mean it's never it's never worked in the history of man. Here's what I mean: the relationship almost never works because let's say you start dating a guy, he's not super Christian, he's not into it. He gets he catches fire, gets saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, starts showing up at church. Here's the thing, you can't ever really trust it. Right. And again, this is not conjecture. This I'm talking from people who've had this happen in relationships. Um, is he here for me? Is he here on the Jesus thing? Did I force him in? Is he going to kind of resent because I'm implying about his spiritual whatever? It's a whole me- It's a whole headache. Here's the thing. I know that seems, this is how busted we are, that seems just getting someone saved seems like a lot less work 
than going on a date with another Christian. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's messed up, folks. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, you're trying to do the best you can, and you, I think you have a sense that this isn't working. You say, you know, uh, I like this dude, and he's basically looking like a non-Christian, and that bums me out. Don't be in relationships that bum you out. Yeah. Right. Find Good relationships point. that don't bum you out. Yes. It's a little more work on the front end, to be honest. A little we're talking about here, uh, Lynn made the point about narrowing the pool. A little bit of what's going on here, and this is pitched at women in a way it's not at guys, and it's probably not healthy, is just kind of taking whatever comes to you. Yeah. That's not the way, that's A, not the way to a happy life, period. It's certainly not the way to a healthy Christian life. No. no. Not just taking what comes at you. You're... You know, the Bible, uh, the Bible says that we're called to live lives that are bold and lives that are cause fear. You got a little vulnerability, and you got to take a little control of that, and that's okay. You can do it. We believe in you, and if you got questions along the way, write us back in. We'll help you navigate that out. All right, so we move on to our next question here. It came in an with our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Do you have to be baptized to get into heaven? What does it mean in John chapter 3 about being born of water and spirit? And Lee, why don't you give us uh, the basics on this? Sure. Um, the quick answer is no. Uh, salvation is a free gift. You cannot earn it or deserve it by any work, uh, act, um, sacrament, anything like that. Baptism does not save your soul. Uh, that's not how you get saved. Uh, Jesus uh, offers that as a free gift. All you have to do is receive that gift like you would open a birthday present. Um, baptism is a weird thing because... Uh, the the scripture does encourage that believers get baptized, but it's not the uh, linchpin of your faith. It's not the thing that gets you into heaven or anything like that. You just believe in Jesus and you're forgiven for your sins. You are a, a, a child of God, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. All that stuff is is locked down. Baptism is a weird deal. Be- One reason it's a weird deal is because that word is actually not a translated word. It's a transliterated word, which is... Just another way of saying it's just the we just kept the Greek word, which means we don't actually a lot of people don't actually know what it means. It's it's really just the Greek word for it's it's the word that they would use when they would talk about taking like a cloth and, and dyeing it in like a, a different colored dye to change the color of the cloth. That's what it means is you would take a you know, a white cloth and dip it down into some blue dye and it would and then now you've got a blue cloth. That's that's the Greek word baptize. And, you know, so you're like, so what does it mean? You get dunked down in some water and what, what happened? Well, you didn't get saved. If the, the closest thing that I can think of when I'm trying to explain baptism to like, you know, our high school kids that come to know Jesus and stuff like that is like, it's kind of like when you go to a football game and you see uh, people that are, are like painted up for their team. You know, they're, they've, they, you know, they've got the, they got the team colors painted all over their face or whatever. And it's kind of their way of saying like the, I'm wearing the team colors. This is my team. I'm identifying with these people. This is my tribe. I'm with these folks now. And you know, you, Jesus saves you for free. It's, you don't do anything to earn it, but baptism is kind of a way that you can publicly say to your friends or to the people in your church community, I'm on this now. Yeah. I'm I'm on this team. I'm I'm getting I'm getting painted up in this and that and that's kind of probably why they would use the word for for dyeing a cloth. It's like you're you are identifying with these people now. Um you know, specifically in the in the John chapter 3 thing, most most Greek scholars, most biblical scholars think that Jesus was referring to the fact that you're born physically and then you are born spiritually. 
Everybody is born physically, and then later on when you accept Jesus, you are born spiritually. But the water there is not referring to baptism. So, you know, the, the thing about baptism is it doesn't save you. You don't have to do it to go to heaven. But it is kind of one of these, look, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it can be a sweet and encouraging thing for, for, people, uh, for, the, for the people of God to get together and celebrate that we've got another person in our family. Um, it's a painless kind of thing and you know it can be it can be good and encouraging but it doesn't get you into heaven that's a fantastic uh, place to start this and uh glenn maybe i can get you to pick up on that there are two things going on here and i think it's easy to see how people get confused one and lee is exactly around both of these one you're you you do not have to get baptized to get into heaven that's mm-hmm. baptism has nothing to do with salvation on the other hand the bible pretty clearly says if you can work it out get baptized Absolutely it's important right. Right, yes. And uh, we have to draw some gradation here, which Mm -hmm. people aren't always the best at doing Christianity. So it's important, it's good, but it's not, does anything to do with salvation. Absolutely right. In fact, I I can give you the perspective that's sort of at the front of our minds. You know, we work behind bars. We work with guys who, uh, believe me when I tell you, they are on fire with their faith, the guys that we minister to behind bars. And um, in in our case, we are we're not physically able to baptize them. That's you know we just in bringing some, in a giant tub of water would um, arouse the suspicions of the corrections officers. That's correct. Uh, in some facilities, you can get clearance to do that, and others you can't. Uh, in our case, we generally can. not. Uh, uh, and and that's usually uh, not something you're able to do. Though sometimes in Division One, there's enough water dripping from the ceiling yes, that you could yes. just kind of pull off an impromptu thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not a joke. It certainly wasn't today because we were we were we were dealing with a lot of water in there. But um, here's the thing: uh, we have to understand what baptism is in terms of how it works, and is uh, as Lee is, is is bringing out. Baptism is about making a public profession of your faith. Okay. So there's nothing magical about the water and the dunking and the thing with the whatever. There's not a magical ceremony that you have to repeat the exact ceremony. In fact, it's not so much about the water and the dunking and so forth. It's a person presenting themselves and saying, I announce to everybody, and I announce specifically to my friends and this group of uh, believers that I'm a part of, that I am choosing to live a life, a public life, for God. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So you can think of it as being very similar to a marriage, mm-hmm. right? You get two people. Uh, now, you could say, well, you know, I don't need a piece of paper to validate our love. Actually, it turns out you kind of do. Sure. You, you're not a valid married couple in the eyes of society, you know, the the state of Illinois, the church, or, mm. or really anyone. You're just two people shacking up. You, right. know? You, you either make the commitment or you don't, my man. You know, you go down to the courthouse and do it quick, fast, and in a hurry if that's what you want to do. If you're not doing that because yeah, that's – because you're making a statement, any minute now we can just do yeah. what we want to do here. So it's the same thing. You could say, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to make a public profession, and I don't want to tell everybody, and I don't want anybody to know, and I don't want to to to, to uh, uh, make a public commitment to live my life that way. Well, that's a bit of a thing now. Sure. You know, right. that's <laughs> kind of uh, – uh, that would be po- problematic. 
So, um, you know, you, you know the, the, the simple biblical example there is a thief that's hanging on the cross next to Jesus, and, you know, he says, you know, I know who you are, and I, I know you don't deserve this the way that we deserve that, and um, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, yes. And so that guy receives salvation, despite obviously there's no way for him to be baptized, you know. Mm. But at the same time, he is declaring yeah. to everyone there that Jesus doesn't deserve this, you know. So he's making sort of this public profession of, I'm receiving what I deserve, and Jesus isn't, and he is the Messiah, and he is who he says he is. And I, you know, I wish I had done this, and I wish I had followed him, and I want to follow him, even though he's in the process of being crucified, you know. That's a heck of a profession of faith to make uh, publicly and so on and so forth. Yeah. So um, it's about recognizing that it's about that profession. So it's, it's about that public declaration. That's the key piece that we want to look at. Mm -hmm. And there's, I suppose, you know, uh, lots of different ways of doing that. And baptism is the, you know, the... The, the way that we were given to do that. But if you can't do that because you're an inmate or you can't do that because, you know, whatever the circumstances are, there's bound to be other sorts of ways to do that. Also, we have to remind some of our people that some people were baptized when they were infants, yeah. and those churches do a confirmation when they're 13 or, you know, what have you. And, but it's the same deal. Yeah. In other words, what you're saying with the confirmation is I'm confirming this uh, uh, pledge to, to live a Christian life in the in that that my parents started. I'm confirming. So it's the same thing. It's the same public uh, profession, and that doesn't mean that it's different from baptism. Absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, Jed, maybe I can just close this out and looking at kind of the uh, pulling the lens back and looking at just kind of the concept of religious symbolism that is what we're dealing with here. And again, we can see how this gets confusing for people. We're talking about. You know, baptism is a symbol of something that happened. It's not the thing happening. Yeah. So as a symbol, it can be important. It can be holy. It's a sacrament. All that's great. That doesn't make it the thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you are in love with a girl, you're going to bring her flowers. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're, you are already in love with her. Um, the love is already there. The flowers are just a symbol of the love. Right, um, right. The, uh, if you bring a girl who does not love you back flowers, it actually will not go well because right. the flowers don't have a magic power. They, they don't force her to suddenly love you. Um, <laughs> but there is something about if you're carrying flowers around, you go to the store and you buy them, people are going to notice. There, there is a, a – it's a symbol, and it's a symbol to her, but it's also a symbol to other people. It's a, it's a symbol of, you know, this dude – there's somebody this dude loves, um, check that out. Isn't that something? Uh, but again, the flowers are just flowers. They don't have a magic power. They're they're just a symbol. Symbols are good things and they're important things, but we don't want to put the cart before the horse. You've heard it said twice already. I'm going to say it again. Is baptism required for salvation? No. Uh, the Bible makes it perfectly clear. This is Romans 10.13. Quote, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm -hmm. right. Let me say that again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not everyone who is then baptized. Not everyone who is baptized or confirmed and a member in good standing in an acceptable church. Just everyone. 
Mm-hmm. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There are all kinds of, in a healthy romantic relationship, there are all kinds of symbols of that love. And when there aren't compelling reasons for them not to be there, those symbols should be there because they're helpful. They're good. They're they're a part of that relationship. You know, I mean. They're a reminder. And ex- a exactly right. I, I have, I'm a married man. I, I have a ring on my finger. I don't cease to be married when I take that ring off. Right, right. Um, uh, but it's there as a reminder to me, as a reminder to my wife, and as a reminder to the world around us of um, the fact that we are married and that we do share a life and we do share a love for each other and that that's a, a permanent and ongoing thing. But here's one more thing, and this might seem like a small detail, but I'd really encourage you to think about it. There's a huge difference. What you've heard all of us say is, Baptism is not required for salvation, but it's a good idea. It's an important thing. If it, if you can experience it, you should experience it. You've heard all three of us, in fact, all four of us say that. It sounds like that's not far from saying baptism is required, but it's a world away. And I'm yes. going to tell you why. It's a very, very key difference. The Bible does not place that requirement for salvation. Why would people place that requirement for salvation? Mm. Chad, it has nothing to do with the fact that we put the number of baptisms our church has on our website at the end of the year with our budget. It's not like that at all. One of the things, for everybody who listens to this podcast, we'd really love for you to get in the the habit of asking yourself, this is a part of the process of discernment, which is something that Christians are commanded to have, is when you see something that doesn't add up, and this is one of the things that doesn't add up, right, is Mm -hmm. the Bible doesn't say that baptism is required for salvation. There's a lot of people that act like it does. The thing I want you to ask is, what are they getting out of this? Uh-huh. What is this doing for them? Well, Matt's already pointing right to it. When we have baptisms, all the extended relatives show up for church. That's great. Money goes in the plate. New members, new membership. That's awesome. That's good for us. When we have baptisms, we can jot that down and report that number on our website. We can report it back to the denomination. That looks good. That's fine. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with either of those things. Right. They're fine, but you shouldn't make people do something that the Bible doesn't mandate, you can encourage them to do it. Sure. But that's not the same as saying, you have to do this. It gets a little bit more sinister when you look at, a lot of times people add extra biblical requirements, things that the Bible does not require, but they require them, when they're just trying to get control and leverage over you. They want to be the shot caller in your life. They want to tell you what it is and how it's going to go down. There's In other denominations, they will tell you you're probably not really saved or certainly you can't prove that you're saved unless you speak in tongues. Right? That's right. that's how you prove it. That's how you know it's real. That's not in the Bible like at all. Right. At all. That's not a biblical concept. But they've added that in because that gives them an extra level of control. That gives right. them an extra level yes. of leverage. It should bother you when people want control and leverage in your life. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a sacred space they're entering into there. Exactly yeah. right. When people want to tell you how it must be and how it must go down, they're trying to get into a place only God deserves to have. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a problem for them to encourage it. It's not a problem for them to say baptism is good. Mm -hmm. The Bible says it's good, and we want that good thing for you. Mm -hmm. But that's a world away from saying this is a requirement, and you must do it. We want you to live a free life. God wants you to live a free life. So don't let yourself be a slave with a yoke of slavery upon you. That's a fantastic point. I will add another option to, um, it's, this is not a good one, to one of the reasons people kind of put uh, different, uh, as Jed is saying, add requirements things here. And sometimes I think, and this, I think this one's pretty common, is it's just the idea of, well, you might as well. Sure. 
You know, it's the person, it's it's the the parent who says, well, did you do the extra credit work in the class? Like, nah, I've already got like a B. You should just go ahead and do it. Yeah. You should do everything you can. Yeah. You should go ahead and do the extra set when you're working out. You should go ahead and take the extra shift. Just, if there's more to do, just do it. Max it out. Max it out. And let's just pretend it's required so that we make sure we do it. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that, you know, with the bi- trying to biblically justify if that's what's going on there. Well, you know, it says to be born in water and spirit. So, yeah. I mean, it's not really, really required. But if we treat it like it's required, that will encourage everyone to do it. Yeah, that's right. exactly We right. will do that harder. And as Jed is pointing out, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with wanting people to be baptized. Yep. Right. There can be a whole lot wrong, and it can speak to a whole lot wrong with going to certain lengths to motivate people to do things in the same yep. way. Nothing wrong with, if you run a church, if you run a ministry, whatever, wanting people to give that's biblical. That's yep. good. The Bible says, give the Bible says, actually give generously, give sacrificially. But when you turn it into, well, if you go ahead and pony up, probably God will be real good to you. And probably you'll get extra saved and you'll all the sorts of stuff. That's not in the Bible to motivate people to do something they technically should be doing. That gets a little hinky. So that's yep. all discernment stuff. There's, um, I think, something people look at to kind of get out of to cover themselves, and they're doing something they know should trigger your discernment alarm is by covering it with something that is kind of good and undeniable. Yeah, baptism's good. Yeah, baptism's good. It's you know it's lovely, and Grandma's gonna come and see you get baptized. And how? Why would you even? Why would you scrutinize that? What kind right. of monster are you? Right. Yeah. Turns out we're all 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 four of us in this podcast are exactly those kind of people. So. Yep. When you have questions like this, if you're worried, does it make me a bad person to question this? Just ask us. We're not worried about being bad people. Yeah, we know right. we are. So we'll go ahead and delve into that for you. All right, move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr box and it says, how does one break up with their small group? We have felt the nudge to move on for a little while now, and we recently we received an offer to join a different group. We love our friends in our current group, but haven't felt challenged by the studies lately. How do we part ways gracefully? Glenn, what's kicks off here? Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, I think any Christian, you know, confrontation, you know, relationship change, ripping the Band-Aid is always the best yeah. way mm-hmm. of doing that. Short, simple, straight to the point. Don't couch it. Don't beat around the bush. And I, part of what allows me to say that is, uh, again, the work that we do, we deal with certain very specific types of, of individuals. And one of the unique things about our mission field of working with guys behind bars and, uh, uh, and, and guys and gals behind bars and uh, the gang members on the street is that they are offended by couching yeah. things. They are offended by you not saying it straight out. Yeah. And it, it forces you to not ever do that because you, you know you yeah. if you're saying a hard thing and offending them at the same time that's <laughs> double jeopardy they're offended because they feel like you're suggesting they can't handle the honest truth exactly right which you know you are yeah that's exactly yeah. yeah so pretty quick you just learn to just say it straight and rip that band-aid off well you end up in situations outside that mission field, and it still feels like the right way to approach sure. it, and it and it still feels like the same truth of yeah, I, by by me couching it, I'm implying that you're such a delicate little person you can't handle the straight up truth. Yeah. 
so I think uh, that's first and foremost is, is simple and straight to the point. Second thing is you don't actually owe these people an explanation. That's, that's true in really, again, any other kinds of relationships. Uh, you know, if you if you say to the boss, "Hey, I'm really grateful for this job, but it's it's really time for me to be moving on." Well, why? Because I want now. Yeah. Yep. That's it. You know, if you're breaking up with somebody, why are you breaking up? You don't owe them an explanation. You can you, offer one if you want to. You offer one if you want to, and it would be nice and it would be polite in a lot of situations, but. Let's make sure we don't make that some sort of a Christian requirement. Well, to that point, the, the thing that we, if we're going to be honest, the explanation at the end of the day is going to boil down to because I want to. Exactly there may, right. There yeah. may be a lot of ins and outs, and those right. might be useful and helpful, but on some of it is, I want to do this rather than that. Absolutely right. And how bad do you want to pressure me into saying something negative towards you? Yeah. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, take the win. Yeah. I'm, I'm walking away without saying anything negative here, right. so... Yeah. Go ahead and let that be what it is. It, read the tea leaves. That's, you know. Um, uh, it, and I think lastly, I think it's important for us to, to, to recognize uh, that uh, if, if we're dealing with a group of adult human beings, they recognize different small groups are going to have different strengths and weaknesses, going to have sort of a different emphasis, uh, a, a different style, and so on and so forth. And uh, same thing if you're switching churches, same thing mm -hmm. if you're, you know, switching jobs or any of these other things. I think all of us as adults recognize what gets you from A to B doesn't always get you from B to C. Totally. That, yep. that, that, that yeah. this has been pleasant, this has been good, but it is time for me to move on and have other experiences with other people and, and, and uh, deal with other people who have other strengths that can help me in those other areas. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything wrong with us? No, there's nothing wrong with you. We love you. We want you to continue doing what you're doing. But for us, we want this other whatever. You know, it, 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 uh, and I think it's, it's okay to recognize at some point, it's okay to put your, your hand on their shoulder and say, don't make me say ugly things about you. I don't have ugly thoughts in my head towards you. Don't turn this into a conflict. Don't turn this into drama. I'm leaving because I want to. And that's it. And I, I love you. I love being here. Just accept it. Embrace it. Let's all move on. Absolutely. I would, uh, Lee, I'll throw it to you on this because I think you'll, you have a good read on it. Actually, I want to go back to something uh, Glenn said there real quick about how this is a lot like a romantic breakup. It is, and you mentioned that in your question because that's a, actually a really apt analogy. You may not even know. And really, Lee, maybe you can speak to this. This person actually really has a lot of the right thoughts in place in yeah. this question. They may not even know it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, 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 you know, As I read through your question, the really cool thing about it to me was uh, you have all the pieces of the answer that you're looking for. It's already right there in it. Your answer is it's really spot on. I mean, your your explanation of why you want to leave this this small group is it's mild, it's kind, it's fair. You don't call anybody a heretic. It's not inflammatory. It's not, you know, it's this is all this is this this is completely reasonable stuff. 
Um, you know, you may not want to lead out with uh, the, you know, the critique about we don't actually get to content very much. I mean, maybe, you know, if, so, if it's a situation where they're, they really want an exit interview and they really want you to kind of line out. So what was your, look, I, I'm a big boy, I can handle it. What was your problem with the group? And if you want to say, well, to be honest, sometimes we, you know, it didn't seem like we ever really got to the content times and I'm really looking for that in my life right now. Cool. Well, thanks for, thanks for giving me that feedback. Um, you know, if you if you're dealing with somebody that's really mature and can handle that kind of stuff, here's the thing that you need to know, and and I'm hoping that this defangs the pressure of this a little bit. Every person who ever runs any type of ministry in the history of whatever has to go through people coming into it and going out of it. Yep. Um, that's just the nature of the beast, man. This is, this is what we look, all all of us on this podcast, we have, you know, run different small groups or discipleship things or ministries or, you know, groups or whatever, uh, worship services. And there are people who have come into it and liked it and, and hung around and they stay as part of it. There are other people who are, you know, good dudes, good believers, everything, and they don't dig it. And that is totally cool. And they move on. And you have to deal with it. If you run a ministry, you have to deal with that. The John chapter three, uh, John the Baptist, uh, you know, some of his people come up and they say, you know, what are you going to do about the fact that all the people that you used to have are now going across the the other side of the Jordan and they're hanging out with this other dude? And John just wisely says, and this is a great verse for anybody in ministry: a man can only receive what's given to him from heaven. And the, this, you, you have the ministry that God gives you. People come into it. They go out of it. And you need to know that, that, that most of us who have been around in ministry for a while, we understand that this is the way it is. Not everybody is going to love our style of doing this. And so it's totally fine that people move into it and move out of it. And you should, be, um, you should feel completely free to say, that group's not for me. I'm going to try this other group. Hopefully that, you know, and, and, and as I said, and most people that have been in this for a while, they know that's the way it goes. They know some people are going to stick around and some people are going to bail out. Some people are going to roll out. Some people are going to try different things. It's not a big deal. You should feel free to move on. Amen. It's a really good point. Jed, maybe I can just close this out and looking at, again, this is a, a concept that Christians aren't comfortable with, and it's not selfishness exactly, but putting your own walk first. Because mm-hmm. the that's the argument for doing this, and it's a pretty clear argument. The arguments that people give against kind of thing as well, we don't want to offend the leader, we like the people in right. the group, but this is a situation where if you feel like you're not getting what you need for your walk, that actually has to take priority. No question about it. Uh, you know, we talked about this actually last episode, I believe, um, uh, kind of the importance of, of your walk. Basically, you have a responsibility before the Lord to make sure that you're getting fed, um, that you're growing, that uh, people are, are building into you and helping you uh, uh, mature in your faith. And certainly, if you're trying to get involved in any kind of service, any kind of ministry, any kind of leadership uh, of, of anything Christian, you absolutely can't do those things if you don't have if you're not being fed if you're not being built up if you're not being strengthened so um it's one of these things where uh you you have a responsibility to the lord to make sure that's getting taken care of it's not in this situation so there's there's really not a conversation to be had there's not a a discussion to be had there's a conversation Mm -hmm. we have but not not a discussion it's it's um, we gotta we gotta go to a place where we're getting fed. We gotta go to a place where we're getting built up. That's just you know that's that's bottom line. I'd add one other thing, um, it just in terms of kind of your own expectation management is um, these people are not going to like this conversation. 
Yeah. Um, th- and there's there's no way around that. And that's not a reasonable expectation either. That's yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's not right. to be liked. I'll give you an example, you know, because people, when you leave a job, you have these kind of conversations. I had a close friend several years ago. They had been working one kind of job, and they were offered a new kind of job that was a dramatic improvement over the one that they had. Uh, I mean, a, a huge step forward for their career. And so my friend sat down with their with their boss, and they were effectively going from an, an hourly job to a salary job. You know, it was a, a huge step forward. So my friend sits down with their current boss and says, I've got a new opportunity. Um, I'm going to be taking that, and unfortunately, I'm have to give you my, my two weeks' notice here. Uh, appreciate everything you've done for me. Appreciate all the opportunities. Let uh, me move on to this new thing. I'm excited about it. You know, uh, I'm, I hope you, you wish me well as I go, and just, you know, that's that's where we're at. Well, this is the thing. There's. Um, there's nothing to be offended by. It's it's a it's a better opportunity. It's it's a win. It's not a rejection of the current job, really, because only a crazy person would stay at the much less good job, and you know, blah blah. But none of that changes the fact it's hard for the current boss to hear. Right. Yeah, it doesn't. Right. There, there there is no conversation like this where he goes, "Well, that sounds great." <laughs> right. You know, I think if we can or if we can make peace with ourselves on the fact they're not going to like this, and there's no way they can. And it's not reasonable for me to expect that they would. Then that frees us up to follow the advice that you're hearing from both Lee and Glenn of just, here's the deal. I'm moving on. Thanks for all the good times. You know, I love you guys. Give me a hug. Now I'm out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think there's way more peace to be had on recognizing they're not going to like it because there's no way to like it rather than looking for the magic solution and the magic words where they think it's great. And that's where a lot of Christians get stuck is they can't find those magic words and so they don't end up ever having that conversation. It's a fantastic point. One last thing I'll throw on the end here is a really good piece of advice uh, about that I've received about this kind of stuff, which is um, look for solutions. Be smart about it. Here's the thing. One of the, the big reasons we mentioned not to leave a small group like this, even if you're not, say, well, yeah, the content I don't really like and the, le- the leadership isn't doing it, but I love the people who are in it and there's a good community. Um, you're, you all still go to the same church. Yeah. You can't right. not, you don't have to not hang out with the people who aren't your small group. Um, this does happen in churches a little bit, maybe more in bigger churches. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been around this too much, but churches and ministries, all that stuff can get pretty clicky. Yeah. That's just, just kind of the nature of the thing. If there's a bunch of people and you know a small group of people more, you're going to, you know, they sit together at the worship service because they get out from the classroom the same thing. You can make an intentional effort to leave the small group and tell the people who you are friends with, hey, let's still go get coffee. Let's, you know, let's do game night, whatever it is. And now you have a much larger pool of community yeah. at that church. No rule against that. That's, you know, it's not, there's not some rule about it. you can't cross the streams of small groups. Um, there's that clickiness and, not everybody has to be involved. Here's the thing. You don't have to, if you like couple A from the small group, and you never really got along with couple C, you don't have to reach out to couple C. That's not your job to make everyone in the church feel warm and fuzzy all the time. They have their relationships. You have yours. That's all cool. This managing relationships is part of getting fed, having body life and all that stuff. We'd like, we'd all like a Christianity where it's all one big happy family with everyone and all personalities cooked together. So it's not realistic all the time. So you got to do what's right for your walk, both as yourself and as a couple. All right. So if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're take out the song this week. This is for our friend Zach Hughes down there in Nashville. This is his version of the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Very cool song. We're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. Date Matt. We're out of ideas. Wait, he likes puppies. Is that a thing? Just date Matt. Be thou my vision, O 
my heart Not me, all else to me Save that thou art Thou my best Lord Oh, by day or by night Waking or sleeping Thy presence My wisdom and thou my true word I ever with thee and thou with me Lord Thou my great father and I thy true son Thou in me dwelling Heart of 